Before Ellie uh, reads today's scripture, um, let me set the stage a little bit. This will sound familiar to some of you. It's the night of Jesus' arrest. He's washed the disciples' feet, and they have sat down to eat together. But during the meal, Jesus tells his disciples that one of them will betray him, and thereafter, Judas leaves. Jesus then tells them that he is leaving them and that they won't be able to come with him. And when Peter insists that he will stay with Jesus, even if it means his death, Jesus tells him that it won't be long before Peter will deny that he even knows Jesus. Needless to say, the disciples are confused and troubled and afraid. But Jesus doesn't leave them that way. As we heard last week, he tells them that he will prepare a place for them with his Father and that they will be with him. He tells them that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that if they have seen him, they have seen the Father. He tells them that if they ask, he will help them. And he doesn't stop there. Let's listen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's so much in this passage we could talk about. But the words that stood out to me this time were these, I will not leave you orphaned. Some among us know what it is like to be orphaned as a child, to be without a mother or a father or a home. I'm fortunate that I don't know what that is like, but I have some small sense of it. Last Wednesday would have been my mother's 92nd birthday, and I remember thinking after she died some 20 years ago, now I am an orphan. It was a strange and surprising realization, and even though I was an adult and surrounded by a loving family, I still remember this feeling of being unconnected, adrift, alone. I also remember lying in bed as a child, feeling terrified because our parents had gone out for the night, leaving my sister and me with a babysitter. Now, we probably had fun with the babysitter, but after we went to bed and things were quiet, those thoughts began to happen. What if my parents were in an accident? What if they never came home? What would happen to us? That fear of being abandonment of abandonment and alone without a parent is as close as I can come to what the disciples were feeling that night. Jesus was leaving them. Where was he going? 
and what was going to happen to them. John 6 describes a situation in which many who had followed Jesus turned away from him. And when Jesus asked his closest disciples if they too wanted to leave, Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? The disciples are lost without Jesus. Jesus knows this. And so he says to them, I will not leave you orphaned. Such comforting words. I will not leave you orphaned, alone, adrift, unconnected. I will not abandon you. And then he gives them two promises, the promise of the Holy Spirit and the promise of an abiding relationship of love. He tells the disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Now, those of us who have been in church all our lives are pretty familiar with the idea of the spirit. We remember that the spirit came down from heaven in the likeness of a dove when Jesus was baptized. In a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate its coming to the disciples in wind and fire on Pentecost. And every week, we sing about the Spirit when we sing the doxology. Praise the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And yet, I suspect that most of us would be hard put to explain just what the Spirit is. And truth to tell, that's not unusual. Trying to make sense of the Spirit has been a source of confusion and even division in the church all through its history. As theologian Jurgen Moltmann once said, the third person of the Trinity has always had a certain anonymity. And one of our current theologians, Catherine Lewis, says, calls the Spirit the shy person of the Trinity. So what does Jesus say about the Spirit? Jesus uses a unique Greek word to describe this gift from the Father. He says it's the paraclete, not parakeet, but paraclete, paraclete. Depending on the translation, you'll hear this word translated as comforter, helper, comforter, counselor, I said that already, and advocate. But it literally means someone who comes alongside. Someone who comes alongside. And I want you to think about what that might be like to hear such a promise that someone will be there to comfort and help you. Someone will guide you. Some up, someone will speak up for you, someone who is on your side and will not give up on you, someone who will come alongside you and be there no matter what. This is what Jesus promises his disciples, someone who will come alongside them forever. It's interesting, too, that Jesus speaks of the Spirit as another advocate, so who is the first? Well, Jesus himself. 
who came alongside us as the Word made flesh. And indeed, the two have similar roles. Both Jesus and the Spirit come from the Father. Both teach, both reveal. As Jesus shared what he received from the Father, so the Spirit shares what he receives from Jesus. You might even say that the Spirit looks a lot like Jesus. Of course, this doesn't mean that the Spirit is another Jesus. The Spirit does not become incarnate and is not crucified. And while Jesus returns to his Father after his resurrection, the Spirit stays with the disciples, continually revealing the presence of Christ to them. When Jesus tells the disciples that they know the Spirit, though, he means it. They do, because they know Jesus. To know Jesus in John's gospel is not just to be familiar with him, although that's part of it, but it also means in a more deeper sense to be in relationship with him. And the same is true of the Spirit. You know him, Jesus says, because he abides with you and will be in you. Dr. Craig Kester compares coming to faith to falling in love. He writes, one cannot fall in love with the abstract, right? That makes sense. Love comes through an encounter with another person. The same is true of faith. If faith is a relationship with the living Christ and the living God who sent him, then faith can only come through an encounter with them. And the Spirit is the one who makes this presence known. Dr. Kester also notes in his commentary that the use of the word advocate, which is how the New Revised Standard Version translates uh, paraclete, might lead us to think that the Spirit is the one who pleads our case before God. But, Kester writes, here the direction is the opposite. God has already given the gift of love unsentingly through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Spirit is the advocate who brings the truth of that love and life to people, which makes faith possible. His words about love and about our relationship with love take me back to Jesus' own words. On that day, Jesus said, You will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. When you receive the Spirit, Jesus tells him, You will know that you are not and never will be orphans. On the contrary, you will know that you share in the love of Father and Son. And the disciples in that room so long ago are not the only ones who share in this relationship. They who have thy commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about everyone who's followed Jesus since. He's talking about us, about us. You know, when the Gospel of John was written, Jesus was only a memory. Most, if not all, of the disciples had died by that time. 
The temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed, which was a sign for many that Jesus' return was near, but life went on and Jesus did not come back. How then could faith grow and flourish? What would keep it going? Through the work of the Spirit, which reveals the love of Christ to each new generation of followers, that faith does keep going. And so we, too, through the Spirit, are invited to share in this relationship of love by keeping Christ's commandments. Which brings up another question. What are those commandments that we're supposed to keep? Well, unlike the other Gospels in which we're commanded to forgive our enemies or to turn from their cheek, to refrain from judgment, to do to others what we would have them do to us, In this particular gospel, Jesus just gives one overarching commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? By coming alongside us and showing us the love of God in tangible, concrete ways. By feeding the sick, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, blessing children, standing up for the marginalized, washing his disciples' dirty feet, and dying on a cross. This is how we are to love, by coming alongside one another, loving even those who at times seem unlovable. And we are given the means and the power to do this by the Spirit. A couple of verses after today's reading, Jesus will repeat his invitation to a loving relationship with one significant addition. He says, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Way back at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus talks about going and preparing a home for us with God. But now he talks about him and the Father coming to us and making a home with us. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, Not visit, not pass through from time to time, not send a postcard. We will come to them, to us, and make our home with them. And when Jesus and his Father are at home with us, walking alongside us through the presence and power of the Spirit, oh, my friends, we can never, ever be orphaned. In that love and that life, we live. Thanks be to God. Amen.